Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tokusatsu Podcast to interview. Yes, we're doing something a little special today. We have Lucas Nias. I didn't. I didn't stumbled uh, a little bit. bit already. Th- that was perfect. Yeah. No, I. I. <laughs> my, there was legitimately a fly right in front of me, and it got really distracted. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, anyways, so yes, we have Lucas. Lucas. Duke. Duke. Lucas. We have we have Nuki today. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> no! So no, <clears throat> we have Lucas Nias today, aka the man who is here. Hello, hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Lucas, tell us a little bit about well, why exactly you're here today. Um. Well, I've talked about this in our personal correspondence and our chats. Uh, I am a fan of this podcast. Um, I got really into Toku uh, in the last year. Uh, I've been working on a short film for the last, uh, coming on a year now, uh, started writing it last March uh, called Infernal Swordsman. Uh, that's very derived from tokusatsu, kaiju, swashbucklers, action <laughs> movies, a little fun hodgepodge of stuff. <laughs> Uh-huh. So yes, uh, our friend here, Lucas, um, to to pull the uh, the curtain back all the way, he did message us a while back saying that we wanted to do something with him about the movie. Jay and I watched the preview. We were like, "Yeah, you know what? Sounds yeah, fun. We like to be this. professional. This looks like uh, right up our alley. Yeah, we like to be professional every once in a while. Occasionally, you know, <laughs> Occasionally. Beyond, beyond all of the uh, the jokes about homosexuality and." Uh, you know, various other vulgar things that we discuss. Occasionally, we do act professional and put on a legitimate internet production. I mean, we are professional homosexuals. That is true. About that is true. This is not even a joke. It's just true. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a fair and accurate <laughs> description of us, yes. So, uh, so just getting right into it, uh, we do have a few questions, and we're just going to spitball them at Lucas here so we can get, you know, a bit more about it. So... Number one, Lucas, this one's for me, and then I'll give it to Jason. You know, this first one. What exactly, basically, what what attracted you to the tokusatsu genre, but also more specifically, Common Rider, as we've seen with your uh, your film. Um, it started. I had stumbled on Inframan, uh, one of my favorite movies, Super Inframan, uh, and I think when I when we had our call a month ago. I described it to you guys as like, I felt like Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters. <laughs> I like, I watched it and I was like, that was fun. I, I had a fun time watching that. And then, you know, I was in bed, uh, couldn't sleep. And it was just the feeling of, I have to recreate this or I have to make some simulacrum of this uh, or otherwise I will never be full. I will never be filled until I make my own Inframan. Um and then it was just me and my co-writer, Shay Danucci, uh, really voraciously tearing into, uh, like, wanting to do our homework uh, and really getting into a lot of different shows, watching a lot of Common Writer, uh, which was the most fun homework of my life. Um, and I, 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 I <laughs> um, but yeah, and Common Writer was just, it, it struck such a chord with us, I think, just because it felt the closest to what we wanted our hero to be just like the silent, awesome hero, um, who rides a motorcycle, uh, and kills monsters. 
Um, really, fundamentally, I don't know what else you would want. Fair enough. It's a nice, okay. simple premise. Um, I think, honestly, just a... Just for those in the audience who don't necessarily know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, you, how you got into filmmaking, uh, you know, what were your uh, inspirations as a filmmaker? What inspired you to just become a filmmaker in general? You've already gone over what inspired you to make this movie, but uh, just how you got into this field of work. I, I think it was uh, being really struck in middle school and high school by filmmakers like Sam Raimi and Joe Dante and Edgar Wright, just like these great genre filmmakers who imbue their films with so much like crazy frenetic energy. Uh, and it's especially Sam Raimi's my favorite director, just like that constant Looney Tunes energy of just constant gags and constant visual innovation uh, and just always cranking every dial up to 11. Uh, at a young age, it was just like, oh, I want to do that. Uh, and, and so many, uh, especially not to generalize, but American movies I find generally boring. Um, and so it was such a refresher as a teenager to watch movies like Evil Dead 2 and just be like, oh, you can do anything. And you can just really go hog wild with a movie. Mm, yeah, that, that sort of awakening moment when you see a... Uh not like a cookie cutter industry, not an industry. Uh, like I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. Like a man, like a mainstream, a mainstream yeah. manufactured production. That's, you know, nice and rounded and clean. And then you watch like an independent, you know, lower budget, independent movie. I don't want to say like a real movie, but like you go to something that's made by a director with actors and a vision. And you're, you have that kind of moment where, you know, use the uh, metaphor close encounters of the third kind. You have that moment where you realize, oh, this is something that can, this is, this is how it works. This is, this is something that I can do. So that, that's a, yeah, it's a very, uh, I feel like that's a very relatable um, way to describe getting into filmmaking. I think that a lot of people can uh, empathize with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. That's how uh, that's how it happened with me with Animal House, but uh, that's a different story. <laughs> it's true. So, next question from me, of course. The better questions, obviously. Um, <clears throat> well, to be fair, that one was Phil's. Phil's uh, Phil's off doing something or other. I think he said he had a. Why? Why? Why did you ask Phil's question? Because he's not going to be here, and then he's going to piss and moan that we didn't ask his questions. Well, you know what? Sometimes he deserves it. Well, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yes, anyways, um, my second question would more would be more along the lines of, so as a filmmaker who, again, you've watched more movies like, like Evil Dead and such like that, you have a very specific style, and in America there's a very, e even across genres, there's, a, there's an obvious style to how certain movies in America are made. How, how did you find difficult, or if you found it difficult at all, trying to translate your style to something as well-known and distinct as Japanese tokusatsu? I think, I mean, match made in heaven. Just, I was trying to recreate so many uh, little tricks uh, and, like, visual touches that struck me in toku, where it was just like, this feels like such a natural fit for what I want to do uh, and what I want to make. Um, and, and, you know, there there's some things that are a little more direct like there's 
literal shots that I took from episodes of Common Rider. Uh, and, and like even little things like I love the the crash zooms. I, lo- I love the crazy whip pans. Just the it matches up honestly really well uh, with, with like the American movies I love and with movies like the Evil Dead's and Army of Darkness and Gremlins 2. Just like that crazy visual style and like the constantly moving camera. Uh, it, it, it was honestly a lot more one to one than I expected. Okay. <clears throat> so go on, Jay. Ask your questions. Well, I suppose I should probably get the uh, the obvious one out of the way. Is um, tell us a little bit about the movie itself. Tell, uh, give us a quick synopsis of the plot. You know, what, whatever you feel like divulging. You know, obviously we have the trailer. I'm sure you're just going to link the trailer. Uh, but you have the trailer. But go a little bit more in depth. Tell us about what the the movie is about, more or less. Give us a quick. Give us the elevator pitch. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so to give the general just like plot summary of the movie, um, there's a man called the Swordsman who is uh, your typical vigilante on the hunt. Um, he doesn't really have an identity. He doesn't really have memories. He just kind of wears a suit. He wields a sword. Uh, he plays bass in a band uh, <laughs> called Electric Squadron. Uh, he rides a t- uh, talking motorcycle. Uh Named motorcycle, um, uh, and demon prince, uh, demon princess, uh, who is the daughter of the demon king and the ruler of the land. Her and her accomplice, Professor Cyborg, uh, take issue with, uh, you know, is crime busting, general crime stopping. Um, so they send two uh, monsters of their own creation and their legion of demon goons after the swordsman. Um, mm-hmm. That that was basically how I pitched it to my co-writer, uh, and it's pretty much, pretty much all of those ideas stuck through to the final film. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you don't you don't need anything more uh, avant-garde than that for Tokusatsu. Not to you know lessen your your production, of course, but you don't really need anything high concept. You that's kind of all you need is you have a guy who has a suit and powers and there are guys who hate the fact that he's a good guy and they want to kick his ass. You know, it's, it's worked for the last 60 something years. Why change it now? I mean, I would extend that to I don't know what mo- what more we need from film and literature. That's fair. I mean, to be fair, yeah, if you go all the way to back like what the Bible, I guess the Bible is basically there's a guy and he's a good guy, and there are people who take exception to him being a good guy, you know, re- reducing 10,000 wow. years of human history down to Let, that. I know, yeah, leave it to this show to somehow compare Common Rider to the Bible. I mean, listen, you know what? He's been crucified, he's been crucified several times. That's and, wow, and you're right. Of course, there is the, the immortal fuck? line. Even if there's no God or Buddha, there is Common Rider. Um. Wow, that. <laughs> I mean. Uh, okay. <laughs> that 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 really took something out of me, man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, for the record, I agree. <laughs> I, th- I think Jay is right. I, yeah. Most um, people do. <laughs> Do they? Do they? Yeah. <laughs> our, our O's 10th anniversary episode would say otherwise. Hey, listen. Yeah. That's a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that. You knew that was coming. I, I guess I did. Uh, 
you, it happens. Yeah, it happens. It, that that is your that is your Rettler Media Joker moment. <laughs> um, that is that is. That, <laughs> I guess that's fair. Um, and it, anyways, um, I had I was actually going to add something onto that, but I actually can't remember because of the whole Bible thing, um, <laughs> which is something I didn't think I was going to say today. I'll be honest, but I guess I'll just move on to my next question. <clears throat> In this is more of a it's a multi-part question in a ratio of how in a ratio of how much you worked what like what was the ratio of practical to cg effects and to bounce off of that question in particular with the practical effects how difficult did you find some of those things to not only work because let's be honest practical effects can be hard to make work but also just to look good on camera uh i i think the ratio would be like <laughs> 99.5 to like po- 0. 0.5. Uh, I'm a big nerd for practical effects uh, and we use them wherever possible. I mean, I could like count off the top of my head just like the only times I used digital visual effects were um, to create a lightning strike, uh, to extend some smoke, uh, and to extend, we used a little miniature castle uh, for the villain's uh, big castle. Uh, and there was a bridge connected to it uh and i just extended the bridge um so that's it it's just those three uh everything else is all in camera which was super fun to do um and yeah getting to do like miniatures and squibs uh and all of that stuff was so much fun uh part of that was just what made it a a real dream come true even uh we also did like a little miniature city that was so much fun even if it took even if it took forever uh our lovely the actor who plays uh professor cyborg my my good friend ben vandermeer uh labored for weeks over those miniature buildings and he did a great job (laughs) people always underestimate how long it takes to make to make those make them look really good for five seconds exactly Uh, i mean hey as long as you don't um, blow them up you know you can always reuse that nobody's gonna notice it's so kasati you gotta blow shit i mean that's fair as long as you don't blow up, you just up watch Inframan. You know everything blows up. Well, that's true. That is very true. I'm I'm pretty sure Tokusatsu, they just live in a world of just natural C4. Everything is just made of C4. Just ask Biopink, right? Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that woman. Uh, I saw an interview with her not too long ago where they asked her about that, and dude, I swear her face, man. Oh like yes, I know the one you're talking about. Where um, <laughs> they talk they talked to her about like coming back, and she just has that thousand yard stare of remembering being shot at with napalm and grenades and everything uh uh dude the 70s were a lawless time they certainly Um, were so okay so to go back to the uh to the practical stuff um again like to uh to reiterate the second part of that question were there anything like that you found particularly difficult when it came to practical effects because i know there can be some things that you know in concept can be really really good but when it comes to budget and brass tacks, sometimes it might not come out looking or even working as well as it would be. I, um, everything that we ended up using turned out great. Everything that was difficult, um, were things that we had to, uh, during the pre-production process have to eliminate, uh, and say, logistically, we can't do this. Uh, and the, the saddest losses for me were, uh, we couldn't do any pyrotechnics and we couldn't do any uh, like wire stunts, any like fights mm-hmm. on wires uh, just for safety reasons and to keep our actors safe. And because 
uh, our creative advisor told us not to do it. Um, so <laughs> well, I'll say this much: you're you're at least safer than Toei. <laughs> it's true. You have that above them. It's true. But uh, um, y- you bring that up. That um, that actually goes into two different questions that I had. Sorry if you weren't uh, done yet, or if AJ was going to say something else. Um, but uh, that does remind me. Uh, I was at- going to ask, not just necessarily in the realm of the special effects, but just in general, were there any particular noteworthy issues that came up during production? You know, obviously, no no film production is going to be a hundred percent without fault. But did you have any particularly noteworthy events that went wrong, or was it all more or less pretty much smooth sailing, other than you know the the obvious day to day issues like scheduling or whatever? I, I was I was about to say, uh, like all of the issues uh, were never like fun stuff. It was never like oh like. This crazy thing blew up, and it wasn't supposed to blow up. It, it, it was all, it was all like, you know, making this movie with my my friends. Scheduling uh, with five people who work full time jobs is very difficult. Um, mm. So I have to, I have to give props uh, to to everyone who helped uh, for showing up and doing such a great job in between, like filming these scenes in between uh, work and school. <laughs> um, you know, le- leaving school. And then coming and acting like a monster, and then like, all right, I gotta go work a ten-hour shift. Um, but yeah, there were no uh, no major hang-ups, pretty much. L- luckily, and, and that's the that's the importance of really doing your planning and really doing your homework because mm-hmm. if you don't plan everything to a T, um, which I I don't like planning the like shots or the creative stuff. I kind of like to on the day of just like play around and just like, Oh, what if we did this? What if we did this? But really planning out how we're going to do a fight and how we're going to do a stunt and how we're going to do safety stuff, just so you don't create a situation where someone is potentially uncomfortable or unsafe. Uh, especially again, working for free, uh, just doing a favor for me. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, uh, the, that's, that's the importance of that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's uh, smart planning. Uh, I've heard many horror stories of uh, many, many both independent and uh, you know studio-funded productions that just were complete disasters beginning to end. So, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Were we talking about Hebrews again? <laughs> Not at the moment. No, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. that's interesting to hear. But uh, very good, very good on you. Props for for being able to nip most of the major problems in the bud before they they became an issue but um actually going on from that my other one kind of because you were talking about it again about you know you wanted to do like wire stuff or pyrotechnics was there (laughs) anything throughout production that you absolutely wanted to get into the movie that you just for whatever reason could not like you know were there scenes that you wanted to do that you had to cut or were there effects that you wanted to put in or anything like that? Anything that, you know, again, without, obviously we don't want you to spoil the movie or bring up stuff that happens, but were, were there any ideas that entered your head that made it some way along into production that eventually kind of fell by the wayside onto the cutting room floor? I, I, there's two things. One, uh, the lucky thing for us is that we're doing one or two or possibly more short films, uh, with these characters, just, basically sequels uh and so the great thing is that if there were any uh anything that we couldn't put in uh for logistical reasons it was so fun to be able to table it uh and we're writing 
the second one right now. And like the first discussion I had with my co-writers was like, well, since we couldn't do any pyrotechnics in the first one, let's go crazy with pyro in this one. Let's go nuts. Uh, more blood, more guts, more explosions, uh, more wires. Um, but then also, I think the only big idea that ended up on the on the cutting room floor that we do want to do at some point. Um, I love the trope of, uh, you know, the hero has like their opposite. Um like not necessarily the antagonist, uh, but the, just like the reverse hero. The, the, as the, I like the, to put it. Yeah, the inverse of, of themselves. So we had a character in the first draft called the Anti Swordsman, which was just like this biological genetic creation. Basically, looked like the Swordsman with like bug eyes, uh, and he like looked a little tweaked. Um, uh, and so that was a really fun idea that we unfortunately had to abandon just because uh, we did not have the time or money to make two of the exact same suits. <laughs> Megan, of course, make- unfortunately, you had to cut out the cameo from Jay and I. So. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, you know what? We didn't want to spoil the the reason why we did the interview. After all, is that we're 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 doing as a fifty fifty exchange. We're, but I guess if yeah, we, we're, we're the only ones who were paid. We, like we got like three thousand dollars per minute. You know? Per minute, Jesus, that's not what my contract said. Jeez. Oh well, sorry. I I, I kind of hoganed your ass. Not gonna lie. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Macho Man status, bitch. Well, that's um, fine. Everybody <laughs> likes Macho Man more. Well, nowadays they do. <laughs> that's true. Um, but no, but yeah, um, it, it is interesting to hear kind of like, because again, I, I've always been into more of the the indie side of filmmaking. You know, I, obviously filmmaking is in and of itself is an art and seeing bigger films, how they're made, it's always great. But seeing the way that you make films, and of course I've watched some of yours uh, beforehand as well. Not not this one, but like, uh, I mean, obviously not this one's not done yet. But but, uh, but the ones you've already done, and it always interests me to see how it comes together from. I don't want to say nothing because I don't want to make it sound disrespectful, but basically from grassroots, I guess I could say. It's it's very interesting to see everything come together. That's not disrespectful at all. That is literally just the way I work. Um... And I mean, this is possibly not a great way to make movies, but I love doing it so much. I mean, on this, on Infernal Swordsman, I had like zero crew. I, I had friends mm-hmm. helping from time to time. Uh, there were a few days where I had people like do the slate or be assistant director, but I, I set up all the lights. I was always operating camera. Uh, I was a one man crew, uh, which for a production like this is crazy. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, I, I was explaining it to, I helped with a friend's, uh, thesis film. Uh, he's a film student and the crew was all asking me about this. And, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it was like a little crazy. Cause it was like five, five fight sequences, uh, 14 days of shooting. Uh, like I, I was the only crew member and they, they thought it was, I mean, they probably thought it was stupid, but they also thought it was crazy that I would do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why I felt like I was dying for a month. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure being film students, at least one of them was like, ah, so that's that's how it feels not being the one doing it. I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm sure at least somebody there has gone through the exact same thing, knowing 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 many film school students in the past. Yeah, yes. Um. Actually, this, this is the question that I want to bring up because I know we talked a little bit about it when we spoke beforehand. Um, the way that you do things, 
uh, especially with you know it's usually one man crew and the way that you the the energy you exude with some of your your films and even just talking to you you very much do remind me and I hope you take this as a compliment when I say it uh, like it very much remind me of like a younger James Rolfe in that sense and seeing your style of movies in the way like it it very much brings to light those kinds of those kinds of films and I mean that in entirely all the respect in the world I don't want people to hear that and think oh I'm dissing you or whatever I, I would never in a million years take that as disrespect i am so flattered that you would compare me to the angry video game nerd himself and i have a point about this i have a point about this you're getting me riled up but <laughs> the early the early angry video game nerd stuff i'm being sincere when i say this it's so much content like i even i hate the word content like that sucks but a lot of like whatever videos on youtube right now are so formulized for the algorithm and they're so just like i've got to make something as long as possible that will cater to the algorithm the title and the thumbnail are so perfect for what the algorithm will push onto people's pages uh and it's so craven but those early angry video game nerds like you can f they're video game reviews it's like a guy who like plays a nes game that sucks and he's like this this stinks but the the use of camera angles and the use of camera movement uh, is like so fun and there's such a fun energy of like oh i'm reviewing friday the 13th jason comes out of the closet and he gets me at a headlock and then i take his machete and i stab him or whatever <laughs> it, it, it's such a fun energy and that is so void from the kind of like short films and videos that uh that i see right now yeah, I, I actually, funny enough, um, I'm, I'm pretty, I know Jay and I have spoken about this, but I'm pretty passionate about that idea as well, where a lot of stuff nowadays doesn't feel, at, they have a lot of soul, mm. and a lot of stuff doesn't have mm -hmm. that anymore, and that's why when I see movies and films like yours and, you know, the other, and, you know, older angry video game nerd stuff and stuff like that, you know, e even uh, some of the stuff that Jay, Phil, and I do, you know, we, we try and put that kind of energy there to where it's like we're doing it for entertainment. We're not, not doing it for the algorithm to like us. And that's why I like yourself a lot because it's like it really does evoke that that feeling of soul, that, that feeling that I got when I was watching, you know, short films back when I was 12 or 11 back in like 2007, 2006. And it's, it's great to feel that again watching something. I Yeah, and I'll also say I – this has kind of been talked about to death, but YouTube is so bad right now and there's really no alternative platform to get your stuff seen if you're an mm -hmm. uh, up-and-coming filmmaker. Uh, and, and, you know, like, n you can't make money unless you cater to the algorithm and you can't uh, make money making what I make. Like, mm -hmm. if, we, if we wanted, like, the methods we're looking at to fund a second infernal swordsman short would not be from youtube monetization it would be from third-party investors uh merchandise uh and that's it um th those are the only two methods that would be viable uh we could not fund another one of these from money distributing online uh and that's really sad because again, it, th it this took me a year to make, um, which is why which is why you don't have animation on YouTube, and which is why 
the the people who are like filmmakers or animators or do like some crazy thing and they have projects that take them like six to six months to a year they have to do let's plays and podcasts and whatever to fund their actual endeavor um which obviously love let's plays loves love podcasts but you should only have to do the thing you want to do and you should be able to get a, a fair amount of money from putting that online Honestly, yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Um, Very solid philosophy, yes. I, I do agree with that entirely. Actually, it's funny. Um, I know Jay and I, we've used it, we've used this place multiple times, and I've worked with people on this site. Um, there's been kind of an outcry, mostly for, for films like this, not, not just whatever, like YouTube does it, but like legitimate short films and stuff for things like this on Newgrounds. And, you know, maybe if, maybe if this picks up or whatever... I would say that would be a this would be a pretty perfect time for someone to tell Fulp to hey maybe short films might be the way to go here because I would say short films deserve to be part of the artistic nature of Newgrounds just as much as anything else would. I'm sure to, uh, yeah I'm sure Tom would probably uh, at least consider it if somebody you know somebody with some clout proposed it to him. But uh... I mean shit they they have they have Lego stop motion there that's that's already close to IRL. It's true. You know, yeah, I know that's still animation, but it's so close to IRL film as it can get, I guess. I mean, I think my last point on this would be that I think the worst thing to happen to uh, a filmmaking in like an age of digital distribution was YouTube making the change from you get paid by the view versus now you get paid by the length. Uh, and so it really rewards people who put who can put out like a six hour video every day your PewDiePie, you put out an hour Let's Play every day, and it gets a million views, uh, and you can put in 10 ad breaks in there. I, I think that's such a bad system. And that's why, uh, like, there were so many animators that uh, could no longer make a living off of YouTube. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is a, a sad state of affairs. But again, I think that they're, again, with, with, at least in terms with, like, Newgrounds, and I know I'm shilling Newgrounds a lot, Fault didn't pay me for this, by the way, guys. Don't worry. You should. <laughs> Just saying. Guy, guys, let's all get on Newgrounds. Come on, Tom. Open up I your know, fucking right? wallet. What wallet? He didn't have money, Jay. I know. Um, he, he's poor as us. Um, no, but yeah, like, in, in terms of that, I feel like maybe that would be a great place to, to start. Again, I know it's still a little bit of ways away, but I think that would be a good thing. But again, I, I like your philosophy, and I love the the passion you have. For wanting to make this into a career because it it's not easy man like as somebody who works in the arts as a voice actor himself it's not easy making money in the arts especially when you know you're you're so full of like creativity and you have all these things you want to do but it's like you're just a dollar away from being able to do it i i know that feeling exactly but it but it's interesting to to hear someone else feel the same way that i do i mean that was all the questions i had well jay did you have any more uh, I think that's everything I had. Uh, let me double check to see. No, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much everything. Well, um, I guess there's one, one little one, uh, Phil had proposed it, I guess. Uh, so for, obviously you're <laughs> sticking with a lot of like Showa era stuff, it seems like based on the trailer and based on what you've described, what you're watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for the preceding ones, cause you already mentioned you're planning on doing more. Do you have any plans on 
incorporating more recent ideas like earlier Heisei or even some of the newer Reiwa era stuff? Or are you planning on sticking solely like Showa era aesthetic? I It's just kind of you just watch something and it's just if something catches you, something catches you. And I have been watching, uh, you know, I've been pulling from different inspirations uh, for this second one that we're planning right now. Uh, specifically, this isn't like recent, recent, but it was more recent than what we were pulling on for the first one. Common uh, Rider Black and uh, Sentai Jetman have been getting a lot of playtime as I've been as I've been writing, uh, and I feel like that goes in line with the wanting a bit more of a like mature aesthetic, wanting more uh, character bits. Now that we've set the table with like the world and who the characters are, and we have the, all the pieces in place. Um, and I feel like those two shows specifically have been like a good, uh, representation of like, oh, this is kind of what I want to do in the next one. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a pretty solid way of looking at it. That's, uh, that's kind of the, uh, compared to Raimi, that's kind of the Spider-Man one to Spider-Man two kind of thing where Spider-Man one was a little, uh, not necessarily kitty, but it was a little, a little safer. It was obviously the origin one. You know, get you kind of get the world building stuff that way. But then with Spider-Man Two, he gets a little grittier. He gets a little more mature. He starts incorporating more serious themes. And obviously, now that the backstory stuff's out of the way, he can go full hog with his usual insanity. So, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Is um, once you've got you you know the first movie, you kind of establish the major stuff, and then that's when you start to build on the lesser details i think that's a smart idea so it's uh it's interesting to hear that you've already planned that far ahead again trying... not, not many many filmmakers don't don't do that unfortunately i'm consciously trying to pull myself away from just talking about spider-man 2 uh for the rest of this <laughs> it, but, listen, but... It, spider-man 2 <laughs> is like the best comic book movie ever it's hard not to talk about it but but i will say there's a million you know, video essays and articles about like what what makes Spider-Man Two special, and I think it really is just like people like the first one. People came to see it, and just the fact that Raimi had never done a big blockbuster like that, that knowledge that you can do it and that you have done it already gives you such an insane confidence. That's like, well, now I'm just gonna go hog wild because I know I can do it and I know I can do a good job, um, and you know. I don't know how people are going to react to Infernal Swordsman, but just that feeling the day we finished filming of like, oh, I did it. Now I can do it a hundred more times. Uh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that that's what I would guess is the magic of Spider-Man 2. I'm really glad we got to have some AVGN and Spider-Man 2 talk in this. We're hitting all the points of things I like. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> If you stick around, we'll do a lot more, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Those seem to be uh, constants around these parts at this point. I don't remember if you did mention this, but well, what are you? What are you? What are you? What date are you shooting for for this to come out? Uh, I believe when I was talking to you, uh, we were shooting for end of January. But oh. uh, at this current juncture, um, it is really we really want to do a good job. And we have been constantly reshooting uh, because there were some bits we weren't happy with. Uh, and, you know, when you commit, commit so much time and energy to something and you love this thing as much as we do and it becomes this is dorky, but it is our baby. Uh, 
and we don't want to put it out until it is fully awesome, fully kick-ass, fully loaded and ready to go. So probably end of February. <laughs> uh, we're just pushing it back a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're on we're on socials as Infernal Swordsman. It's going to be on my YouTube channel, Lucas Nias, N-Y-H-U-S. Uh, and so it's coming, but we want to g- give it our time and let it incubate. That's good. That's uh, yeah, that, that makes good. sense. Very smart. What is the biggest thing that you've learned from filming this? That like specifically this that like you think you can apply this to the rest of your craft for like possibly the rest of your career. I think the biggest thing, um, and if there's anyone who listens to this and has even a passive interest in like, oh, maybe I want to make a short film or maybe I want to do this or that. Uh, I think when you're a creative, there's so much of a dominant feeling of like, oh, well, I have to do this kind of thing so people will like it. Or I can't do what I really want to do because it would be expensive and it would take a lot of time and it would be really hard. Um, And when I had this idea a year ago, it seemed so unattainable of like, oh, well, I really want to do something with uh, monsters and with fights and with a talking motorcycle and whatever crazy stuff I want to do. Um, It seemed so unattainable and it seemed so impossible. Um, And it it was really so much fun to do. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, And I'm really grateful I could do it. And it it really was a dream come true. And something I hear a lot, from i'm going on a big tangent right now something i hear a lot from friends uh or colleagues or collaborators who are like oh i really want to do this i have this script or i have this idea but it's probably going to be bad or i'm probably not people probably won't like it uh just this might be cliche but just do it Uh, there's no alternative for doing it and there's no substitute for doing it, so you have to do it. Um, and and do it today. Put pen to paper today and hold your feet to the fire uh, and get it done. Uh, because it'll be a lot of fun, and you'll have a lot of fun making something crazy. Well said. Yeah, I, yeah that's per- perfect. That is perfect. Um, well, I guess with that being said, we're going to be ending this interview because we got a little something special to do with Lucas right after this, which you'll also be hearing soon. A little assassination, yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Uh, But yes, we'll be having a little something else with Lucas coming out. You'll have to wait and see what that is. But that being said, thank you guys for listening to this interview. Again, all of Lucas's socials are going to be in the description. Please do go follow it. Please go watch. uh, Please go watch it when it comes out. And just support art, man. Go support it. Go do it. Go watch the movie. There you go. So we'll see you guys for uh, the little something special we got. So we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.